0: One of the biggest shifts you can make towards perfecting a, an imperfect world is is to constantly ask yourself when when something comes up and you may be able to be involved or a venture or a task choice is is not ask what am I getting out of this but just change it what are we getting out of this?
1: Welcome to the Responsibly Different podcast sharing stories and insights from people harnessing purchasing power as a force for good. Cabot Creamery has been a co-op of farms from across New England and New York for over 100 years. On today's show, we have Cabot's Director of Sustainability, Jed Davis. Jed has been Cabot's Director of Sustainability since 2008 – and has seen them through their B Corp journey. Joining Jed is Jenny Tilton Flood of the Flood Brothers Farm, one of Cabot's dairy farmers and an advocate for rural communities. Together, they share with us the power of being a co-op and some of the world-class sustainability efforts at Cabot. Uh, to kind of kick us off, Jed, can you share with us a little bit about how Cabot got started?
2: You bet, Ben. It's a really fun origin story. There, there's there been a creamery in the town of Cabot. It Deep into the 1800s, I think 1893 is the first photo I remember seeing of a creamery. But, But what was fascinating was that in 1919, Uh, the owner of the creamery, Mr. Messer, decided he wasn't having enough fun in the dairy industry and decided he was going to close shop. And that really was a dramatic uh, factor for about 94 local dairy farms. And they decided to gather together and create a cooperative. And they were able to get that off the ground by asking each farm to contribute a quart of wood to fire up the boiler in the winter and then they, they essentially assessed each, each other $5 per cow. And with that, uh, you know, about $3,000 worth of funds and a fair amount of wood, so the co-op began.
1: Wow, that's so cool. I didn't realize that, that the history was so deep there. That's really cool. Uh, and you're still a co-op to this day. Can you share with us a bit about what that means and how it impacts the day-to-day operations for both Cabot and and the farmers of the co-op?
2: Sure. And and the co-op structure, to be a cooperative, it isn't a structure that, that everyone's necessarily fully aware of. But really, it's a structure that allows a group of people to come together uh, around the goals of self-help and self-responsibility. And um, there are many that would say that a cooperative is the most democratic form of governance that we have for entities. Um, And generally speaking, co-ops adhere to some international principles around cooperation. There, There are seven of them. But the you know perhaps the most well-known one is that they're structured as one member, one vote. So from a voting standpoint, there's a high degree of of equality and, and equity. And in a co-op like ours, um, which is a you know, ours is the kind of co-op that is a production agriculture co-op. And so our our company is owned by our dairy farmers. Jenny Tilton Flood and her family are one of the owners of our cooperative.
1: That's amazing. And Jenny, how did you and the Flood Brothers Farm come to join the the Cabot Co-op? Well,
0: um, since we became a family that provided milk for our neighbors for a business model back in 1927, we had actually been independently contracting our milk, selling it on our own. In the early 90s, we realized that that wasn't the most empowering way for us to protect our business interests, our mission, and our vision for the future. So we joined the cabot Creamy Cooperative. We became farmer owners. And we are very proud of the fact that we were among the 600-plus farm families throughout New England and parts of New York that own this cooperative and adhere to the seven principles that Jed spoke of.
1: That's so cool. Uh, And Jed, you yourself have been involved with dairy agriculture your whole life. How did you come to... How, how did you come to Cabot and what has being part of that team been like for, for you? Yeah, I
2: mean, that was part of my personal journey. I, I grew up as generation number six of a dairy farm in central Massachusetts and uh, fully expected that, you know, I would, I would be a farmer my entire life. Uh, as family businesses go, once I had gotten out of school and come back and worked on the farm for a number of years, there were some changes in the family business and I ended up pursuing opportunities elsewhere and uh, didn't go too far from the cow when all things were said and done. And there's this little co-op up north that uh, was doing some neat things and happened to be near a lot of skiing. And so that's how I landed in, in Cabot, Vermont back in 1991. And uh, and I have to say, one of the special things about being involved in our cooperative is, and perhaps because my of my farming background. I I take an enormous amount of joy knowing that at the end of each day, when I've done my very best, I know that may be contributing to uh, you know a, a brighter future and better outcomes for a whole collective of dairy farmers who who own our business.
1: That's amazing, Jenny. I, I do want to circle back and ask what what has being a part of the co-op been like for you and the farm.
0: People ask me a lot what it's like to be a part of a co-op and what it means. It's it's about being part of a larger family. It's about a larger network. It's about a stronger stronger peer um, support. It's being able to turn to somebody else and get their expertise. It's it's about knowing you're not alone. And and cabbage farmers are never alone. And and being a dairy farmer, a lot of times it is just you with your thoughts and your cows, right? And, but being a part of our co-op and knowing that we're part of the Cabot Creamy Cooperative Family means that we know there's another farmer out there that is going through the same things we are. We know that we can lean on them for their existence, for their thoughts. And we know that our co-op, while it is led by our farmers who own the co-op and we have a board of directors that are all farmers, we we know that they're hiring the people that have the expertise. They have their roots in the ground and in the soil and and cow adjacent, like Jed, to bring our co-op where it needs to be to make sure that while we're focusing on what we know best, and that is our cows, that is stewarding our land, that is producing high-quality milk, that they're going to make sure they turn that all into amazing food to put on other people's table and do it in a good way. I like to say that, you know, good food can come from a good place, and it's a mission for us. Uh, it's not just an idea. Again, we work hard in all the ways, and... And being a co-op provides that ability. It also provides the support needed to make it sustainable because it's not just about, you know, cover crops and greenery and recycling. When we talk about sustainability, it's about being able to replenish your strength and replenish your energies. And being more than one alone means that we can be truly sustainable as farmers and as members of our community.
1: That's amazing. I love that. Okay, so uh, let's shift gears into sustainability. I'm actually really excited. Uh, Before you hopped on, Jenny, Jed and I, were we just lightly touched on the digesters. I'm so excited to learn more about it. Um, But speaking of sustainability, I know often when talking about climate change, the impacts of agriculture and specifically dairy farms comes up as a large contributor. Jed, I'm curious, can you share with us a bit about the sustainability efforts of Cabot and what makes Cabot a leader in this space?
2: Well, Ben, let let me frame this very large to begin with, and then we'll we'll dive in a little closer. I mean, at the end of the day, the ability of agriculture, dairy agriculture, but agriculture writ large, to be a positive solution in what we need as a society around climate change and other environmental impacts, uh, I'm very bullish on what we can accomplish using agriculture You know, as a means to the things as a society that we value, you know, whether that's nutritious food, whether it's clean air, clean water, reduced impacts uh, like greenhouse gas emissions and things like that. So, you know, part of what gets me excited on an everyday basis is how we can focus our efforts in agriculture to really provide service to our communities. And And that resonates again with what it means for us to be a cooperative Now, narrowing a little closer in on sustainability, we have a uh, sort of a credo around sustainability that says that, that, you know, we we pledge to live within our means and ensure the means to live. So the, the idea there being that living within our means, you know, respects the boundaries within which we, you know, exist as an organization and as a collective of farms, but also that we, we recognize that we make significant and are able to make significant contributions to the communities in which we exist, which are which are also very important. Our approach around sustainability has been very much around multiple bottom lines, you know, the, the, the old triple bottom line of environmental, economic, and social impacts. And when it comes to those impacts, that's where we really dig in. I mean, it starts with you know, recognizing awareness of your impacts, followed by measurement. You know, we, we believe that there's a, a real a role for quantifying what our impacts are, because that then gives us some, you know, gives us a look into the ways that we can then apply continuous improvement to reduce those those impacts or expand those impacts, depending on which bottom line we're, we're talking about. And, you know the the process of understanding those impacts, and hopefully the goal is always to bring some creative problem solving, some innovation into this space. And you know we have such such a rich narrative of how our dairy farmers are bringing innovation into this space to create these these wins. And and a lot of it we can, you know, I think i Jenny has such a great story to share, but but part of this is you know the the holy grail of sort of a circularity. You know, if we can, as an as a co op like us, if we can have solutions coming from our farms and all you know from you know related to the cows, related to our creameries, it, it gives us the opportunity to share those stories with our customers and and ultimately the folks who take our product off the shelf and bring it home with them and enjoy it at their dinner table.
1: I love that. Um, and, and I know you also are doing some really interesting things around solar powered like waste compactors and like water from cows being upcycled. Can, can you touch a little bit on those?
2: Sure. And, you know, and really, you know, the, the sort of similar thread on all of these is, you know, whether it's related to energy or water or resource recovery or things that really are very environmental bottom line focus, it's trying to understand ways that we can uh, minimize that, that impact. We had the, the opportunity to pilot an approach to cover two of those bases with a, a and a lot of this happens through partnership. You know, we don't, we, don't, we don't think that we can, in fact, we know we can't resolve these issues uh, on just on our own. And so whether it's partnering with our farms with other entities in the community, that's often the case the solar powered, uh, trash compactor was, was one of those examples. Um, an example of the circularity is we have a a handful of our farms that have, um, developed solar power on, you know, on the farm properties. And then we're the off taker of that, of that, uh, solar, you know, back in our facilities and so, you know, there are, and, and again, with with water, water's another example. You know, there's the, um, within the volume of milk that arrives to the creameries, there's an awful lot of embedded water. And we've gotten to be pretty creative in how we can reuse that water for everything from rinse cycles to make up for our boiler water and, and things like that. So, So again, it's, you know, how can we Get more than one use out of, let's say, water or, uh, how can we be more efficient in terms of our conservation efforts and our efficiency efforts around, let's say, energy? Um, how can we seek out options in the renewable energy space? Um, uh, and in, in the cases where we can do that and it also has some farm level benefits that then that's, that's the total win.
1: That's really cool. That's really cool. And Jenny, I know you all recently got a digest, a new digester system. Can you talk to us a little bit about the digester system, like what it is, how what it does? Just fill us in.
0: So those who have heard me explain the science behind digester technology with manure um, will not be surprised to say that it's magical, and I don't know the details except for that it is just one more thing that dairy farms are doing that is sustainable. A lot of people who are not familiar with animal agriculture and dairy farming think that in order to be sustainable, they have to have the digester, they have to have something else. The reality is is that the things we do every day all revolve around that sustainability. Good dairy farms keep asking, how do we do something better? And how do we do more to be better? So whether it is um, that that Finding more uses for water. What goes on at our cheese plants actually is what goes on on our farms. We find more uses for that water, so it's not a one and done. We don't have single-use water. You know, our cows are not single-use, and and neither is their manure. So digesters do an amazing thing. Going to take that manure and instead of letting that methane enter the atmosphere and do the things that it naturally does, that can be detrimental to to our earth and to our environment and our climate we're going to capture it. And this is an amazing process. And that's about as scientific as I can get, except for all I can say is that the promise and potential of poo is amazing. Um, And when Summit and Peaks Renewables approached us about this idea, we knew that they saw the promise and potential of our cows, of our dairy farms, and the manure. And they not only said, we can make this happen, but we're going to do it because it's the right thing. And they also knew that it was a way to make things better. It's a way for them to produce energy that is renewable and locally produced here within our area for their country. And it mitigates a lot of the negatives that can come from what we do. And, and that's something that a lot of people... We, we get, we react to a lot is we see something and we see that there's a negative aspect to it and we're looking for something that's 100% good. It is really hard for anything for you to do to not have an adverse effect or an effect on something else. So we have to remember that we have to make sure that the good outweighs any adversity. And that's what we try and do um, in our daily lives, both on the farm, off the farm, and with this digester, we really think it's going to be amazing. It's not just a single farm. It's, it's at least five farms now. We're taking those that idea that economies of scale make, make this type of technology accessible, available, and affordable to certain size farms, and we're expanding it to include farms that are smaller than ours make sure that they have that access and availability to the benefits that can come from that. And that means that more benefits are available for our communities. So often when we think about Renewable energy or energy at all, especially fossil fuels, we're talking about an extractive practice. And when we're talking about this renewable natural gas generation that comes directly from another benefit from our dairy farm and our livestock, we're talking about adding to that circular economy. You know, we're talking about adding another input, not taking away, but bringing more people in, setting more people up at the table, making sure that the leaves are in the table. And the whole time we're putting good food on our neighbor's table and we're making sure that we remain the engines of our economies and our communities. It's really an amazing thing. I, I don't know the science, but I know the goodness.
1: That's so cool. And it sounds like you're working with a lot of other farms in the area, truly making it a, a community project of sorts. I'm curious, how did, how did you manifest that? How, is, it, it sounds almost very community organize-ish.
0: Well, um, I will be honest, we really did not take, take the jump on this. Um, all kudos goes to Summit Peaks Renewable. They're the ones who saw the vision. And this is important because we cannot do it alone. And as much as we like to paint this picture of the stoic rural farmer, we have to realize and recognize that we have day jobs and night jobs already. We cannot do it all. And we have to accept that help. We have to accept that interest. We have to understand that their investment in us is our investment in ourselves. So they were the ones that had this grander vision and they went knocking on the doors and they've done the due diligence and they've done the research and they've become pretty knowledgeable when it comes to cow poop and I'm pretty impressed with it. And they've, and they've unlocked the idea that yes, we can knock on these doors and talk to folks, take a no and then come back and maybe get a yes. So they're the ones who saw that and have really made sure that farmers, especially at a time economically, Um, And in the environment we're in at a time when it's, you know what, it's hard. It's hard to say, let me try something new. And they've they've created a, a place where we feel comfortable buying in and they saw the promise in us and we see the potential in them.
1: Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. The power of poop. Who knew? Um, And I know the so the project is is projected to help 45 percent of the natural gas to summit natural gas main customers, which is, I think, incredible. Do you and the community contributors get to keep some of those profits of the sale of the energy as well? So it's also like economically supporting the farm the farms, too?
0: the communities that where these projects are being based in and that we we have farm involvement and the digester involvement those communities are directly benefiting not not just from the direct involvement and support of Peaks Renewable, but also from the business and economic investment that's going on and the fact that we're going to be sustaining our farms, which are such an anchor for these areas, but also our farms really are reaping a benefit. It's not going to be something, it's not going to be a check, it's going to be time. It's going to be more efficiency on our farms, it's going to be better conditions for us, for the people we work with, for our cows, for the environment. And it's going to mean that we can put more of our time and energy into a better food, a higher quality food onto our neighbors' tables and and do it in an even better way than we were doing last year and even better than our grandparents were. Um, it's, It's almost intangible, but in reality, it's very tangible.
1: That's really cool. And for folks listening that might also have a farm and be really excited about this, what would you recommend to them for first steps in getting a digester or or even setting up a program similar to this?
0: So one of the things I have to say is that not every farm is suited for a digester, not every digester is suited for a farm. It has to work within their system and it has to be a, a level of appropriateness and, and a need. And I also have to say that that's not the end-all be- all. There are so many different ways that our farms can can even more and better than they're already doing be a part of that higher level of sustainability, environmental stewardship. But when it comes to a digester, there's plenty of resources. Within our dairy community in the US. We have our dairy checkoff, and we have we're funders ourselves of nutrient program. Um, there's a lot of resources for that. Our local checkoff in the state of Maine can provide resources. Um, your co-op, if you belong to Cabot Creamy Cooperative, you have amazing resources and peers available, including your Sustainable Farms Committee. And, and you have public interest um, from private business like Peaks Renewable. So I would suggest that if you're a dairy farmer and you were looking into finding better ways to manage um, your future and your, your farm operations that you reach out to a peer or you reach out to your co-op um, or they can reach out to me and I would be more than happy to connect them. I, I just want to make sure that people know that a digester doesn't check off the sustainability list. Mm. It is one more thing, one more tool, one more part of the arsenal that is involved in waging this amazing crusade to do better and put even better food from an even better place on our neighbor's tables.
1: Amazing.
2: And Ben, if I might just add to that briefly, uh, you know, Jenny brings up an important point and, and one of the things I think, I think we see this across the whole dairy industry, but certainly in our cooperative. The sense that, you know, it, it's not incumbent upon any of our farmers to do everything, uh, but we know that every one of our farmers can do something specific to their particular farm to advance their, their own farm sustainability journey. And that's where trying to collaboratively help in that space sometimes it'll be a digester sometimes it'll be ways of cropping sometimes it'll be related to animal nutrition there there's so many ways that farms can focus on on ways to uh, understand where they are you know at a point in time relative to sustainability measurements and, and then determine what works for their farm to to move the needle on progress
1: that's great and and I'm curious too um Jed, for for folks listening that maybe aren't part of the Cabot Creamery, are you all like always onboarding farms? Or I'm curious, like if somebody's like, oh, my gosh, I want to join the Cabot Creamery so bad. Like what kind of criteria do you look at?
2: Yeah. And that varies over time. It it it, sadly right at this moment, we're at a point where we're not accepting new members and a in a large part of that is, you know, we. We sort of operate as a system, and and we want to try to keep the system in balance. Mm-hmm. And so we have a set number of manufacturing facilities, the creameries that we own, and we have, a, you know, right now we have a a balance of members and the milk, the high quality milk that they provide, and we have some customers that buy milk, you know, in a at a tanker truck at a time, but. But most of, most of the time, we're focusing on turning it into some of our award-winning products. And so keeping that whole system in balance means that sometimes we are able to bring on new members and sometimes we have to limit you know, to our current membership.
1: That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, I'd love to pivot to B Corp Certification. I know going all the way back to 2010, according to an article in the Harvard Business Review, 2010 was roughly when you all first started talking about becoming a certified B Corp. And in 2012, ultimately, you all went on to be the first dairy co-op to become B Corp certified. What do you remember from that time in, in Cabot's history?
2: Well, Ben, what you know what I recall from that time in particular is... Um, trying to replicate something that had been uh, successful for us elsewhere. You know, as we were from a marketing perspective, as we were trying to establish our brand, one of the critical ways that we did that was to get sort of third party validation of the quality of our products. And um, so, you know, we entered a lot of, of, well, within the dairy world, well-known competitions around cheese and dairy products. And, We've been very fortunate we, because we do have very talented cheesemakers and, and and others at our creameries. We, we've been we've been blessed to have won virtually every major award for taste in the dairy industry, and and that then became a a sort of a pillar of our message to our consumers. You know that uh, one of the reasons you really want to enjoy our products is because it's a really great taste. Yes, it's a great value too, but man, it really delivers on flavor. And so in in the switch to think about where we are on sustainability, it was a bit analogous. In other words, what was the third party validation we could, we could pursue that would say, hey, you know what, the way you all are choosing to operate your business is in fact down the right path, you know, and, and, uh, And, and so we aligned ourselves with what at the time was, was a a relatively new certification program offered by the nonprofit B lab. And, uh, the, the end goal of that is a certification called B Corp certification, where the B really speaks to benefit. In other words, as an organization, you know, how are you creating benefits both for, the folks who work for the really for all the stakeholders and the community of those businesses and uh, so we were impressed by the rigor of their certification process it um you know there certainly are some better known uh certification you know uh programs. I think about the one with a panda bear from WWF and things like that. And candidly for a co-op our size, we, we couldn't afford to pursue something like that. But the rigor of the B Corp uh, certification, there's, you know, it covers about 250 uh, indicators and, you know, related to uh, transparency and accountability and how we manage social and environmental impacts. And, and that has just been a really useful roadmap for us. And um, it, it's been, you know, it provided a little bit of a North star to how we navigate our sustainability journey.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And and I know over the years too, you all have seen a lot of improvement, you know, and part of the B Corp certification for listeners that might be new to the show is uh, is a score. So uh, you have that ability to see how different companies are doing. And you all have seen consistent increase in your score over the years uh, you know I'm curious how have you been able to maintain that steady improvement and and what has that looked like
2: well in, in addition to being a roadmap it, it's the the certification tool is also something of a yardstick so one of the things that's been beneficial is it's allowed us to focus on different areas for potential improvement. And one of the ways we've evolved our efforts, because we do have to recertify every three years. And uh, one of the ways that we have evolved that is to have a really cross-functional team within the organization, bringing their particular expertise to this. Because among those 250 or so indicators, it, it really covers a lot of different areas, everything from you know, governance to, to workers, to environmental management, to and so forth. And so it's bringing together an internal team that can tackle this. And I think it's important to recognize that we've tried to create this as a process that isn't just a, okay, once every three years, we're going to do a, a test, right? What it really is, is an opportunity to plan for continuous improvement on an ongoing basis, where every three years you get a little bit of an update on how your progress is is coming along.
1: And Jenny, I'm curious does the does B Corp certification does that impact you all like on the farm on the farm directly, or uh, is it talked about much? I'm just curious.
0: Um, for me, as a farmer, is incredibly important to me. I make my purchasing decisions uh, because I am privileged and do have disposable income. I do make my purchasing decisions based upon. Um, that B Corp certification on different brands when I'm, when I'm shopping. And it makes a big difference for me as a dairy farmer because, you know, I, I can say confidently that yes, our good food, our, I will say it again, our world's best that is worn every major taste award out there is really good food that comes from a good place. And, and I have this documentation to back it up. And it's not just an award on the wall from from 2010 or 2012, it is that constant effort, looking forward. How are we going to be better at being good next time around? And so, I do think it is important. I think that awareness is growing among our members, among um, dairy farmers, and in agriculture in general. We've had more dairy. I think, I think in the past years, there were at least three major dairy cooperatives or dairy businesses that have become B Corp certified. And there's even an actual dairy farm, a very large scale one that actually is making the effort and, and becoming B Corp certified. So it, it's a huge undertaking and it is well fact that someone like I and many others will afford it.
1: Uh, I'm curious, what advice do you have for anyone thinking about uh, pursuing B Corp certification or even kind of as an extension thinking about, you know, using business and their skills as a force for good?
2: I think the one thing that I would stress right off the bat is that one of the beautiful things around B Corp, uh, the B Corp community, is that the tool that's used in the certification process is openly available online and free to use. And as I mentioned before, it, it really does an awfully nice job of providing that roadmap. So for someone just starting their journey on sustainability or even if they're on the on the path but are looking for that yardstick of comparison, you know it's called the B impact assessment, the, the BIA and I, I can't stress enough what a useful tool that is and it comes initially at the exactly right price of free. Now in in full disclosure, one, so in our case, once we pursue that and then, Got to a score. You, there's a there's a threshold above which you have to score before you are even eligible for certification, and uh, so a company can can go through this, and and they then get to decide once their score is is determined if they're at a level that's high enough to be certified. It's then their decision whether they want to begin to incur the annual certification fee. But at the end of the day, it is a free and incredibly useful tool.
0: And and I think it's so important that this is not an exclusive club. This is, while the the standards are impeccably high and incredibly demanding, the fact of the matter is, is those who are B Corp certified, they're not looking gate and and keep check on who comes in, they are literally working to make sure they bring people in. They want to be a resource. It's not just a, you know, a, a cliche to say a B Corp family. Um, it is a supportive network. It is an always learning network. And it is, yes, let's get more people doing better things and doing
1: it well. Absolutely. I know we have found that the B Corp community has been Super welcoming and, and supportive as we've been on our journey of certification too, I think that was really well said. Um, I'm I'm curious any advice for other folks specifically in the agriculture space on navigating sustainability and balancing it with profitability and and being a force for good.
0: So I, I want to jump in and just mention that there's things sustainability without a level of profitability. You have to be able. To have an economic foundation that is going to provide the means terms you need to continue those means to live and living within the means that Jed spoke about earlier, and I do think that it is is sometimes very hard when times are hard to continue to look at these lists, this all those bottom lines, all those line items that that ledger that you see what what is best for my business but what is best for everybody else but if you keep in the back of your head and in your heart and soul it's like it's like there's your triple bottom line right there head heart and soul making sure that everything you're doing is for the right reason and results in the right answers then then you will see that path forward it may not be what you envisioned but it will be the best vision for your farm or your venture and your community.
2: Love that. Yeah, that was, that was really well said. And, and uh, I I think that's where, you know, in agriculture, where we have the biggest challenges when when people don't recognize that it's, yes, it's three bottom lines, but they all have to be mutually supportive. And we've used the analogy of a milking stool in the past, right? You can't, just focus on the environmental bottom line or just on the social bottom line without having that economic bottom line covered as well. And that's that's where the stability enters in that's necessary to scale these impacts in a really positive way. But, but there can't be a, a you know, it, it can't be a, a one leg shorter than the other or one leg longer than the other. It needs to be, again, it, it needs to be in, in harmony in a way that, Supports progress.
1: Absolutely, I think a lot of people
0: think that. Oh well, when you're trying to balance, you're really going to develop your core. No, that's not how this works. It's not a medicine call for the chair at the office. It is. It can actually weaken your structure. So if you've got one leg shorter than the other, it doesn't matter which one. All the other legs are going to get worn down, and bad things can happen. And and especially if that economic one is not there, because we live in a system, and in a world that that does drive how the world turns around. But also the whole point of the B Corp certification is that that is driving the good. And if you turn around and use the good, then it will, it will be okay.
1: Absolutely. And I'm curious, kind of looking back on both of your journeys to this point so far, what have been some of the most rewarding moments for each of you that you've had with with Cabot over, over the years?
2: Well, I, I can start. I think one of the, you know, I mentioned earlier that, that I get very excited when we can have real circular solutions in, because rarely, you know, rarely are our sustainability projects entirely standalone. And um, I think sometimes... Some of the longer projects, uh, and I'm saying six, seven, eight year projects that have a lot of moving pieces and a lot of stakeholder engagement. And But I, I particularly love the ones where, you know, I'll, I'll give you the example of when we're making butter, right? We have, you know, there's, there's some organic product that is essentially waste product. And we developed a system where that those process organics get diverted to one of our member farms that like Jenny's farm is, is pursuing a digester. And then that digester turns it into renewable energy. And then we essentially contract back for that renewable energy. And that renewable energy is covers what we use to make our butter. Right. So it, so it ends up being wonderfully circular And as is often the case, when when you succeed in creating that circularity, it it then really, you know, creates a tangible story of sustainability to share with our customers and consumers. And our marketing team did a a wonderful job of of capturing that very complex circle of interaction in, in a one sentence, you know, description on our butter cartons which which basically said hey the cows in our cooperative provide both the cream and the electricity to make caput butter you know if you want to learn more go to our website you know that 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 sort of storytelling that really puts a a more human element to all of these efforts to make make not just the the best dairy products we can but do it in the best way possible i think those are the ones that i find incredibly rewarding
0: and for me, it's really been about like the journey, you know, I'm the first generation on both sides of my family that was actually not born on a farm for the first time in, in every generation before. And within a couple decades, I found myself back on a farm. And within a decade of that, I found myself a member of Catholic Green Cooperative. And because of that, I now know what a B-course is. Because of that, I know the strength of cooperatives. Because of that, I know that good food can come from a good place. Because of that, I know how important community is. And because of that, I know that more people joining together can make this world a better place. And and I don't know that I would have ever known that had it not been for a cow, had it not been for a co-op, and had it not been for Cabot. So that's... That's that's my uh, my rewarding moment, my continuing rewarding moment.
1: I love that. Well said. Um, As we kind of think about winding down here, what advice do you have for other folks? You know, if somebody, you know, whether they're in agriculture or not, maybe somebody at home is like, oh, my gosh, they have this passion and they want to use it for good, but they just don't know where to get started or how you know how to find their way, uh, you know, in in a in a way back back to the farm, if you will, right, or whatever whatever their venture is. What advice do you have for for those folks in terms of pursuing those passions and using business as a force for good?
2: I think Jenny spoke to this a little bit to begin with, and I think it applies beyond just the agriculture and dairy space. But you know, there there are at least three critical things that anybody needs to know at the beginning of this first of all you're not alone right and in fact there there's an enormous peer network that's out there and sometimes it it requires raising your hand and saying Could, can I be introduced to that network but you know there there's a lot of of institutional knowledge in the space regardless of what sector of the economy you're operating in Um, The second thing is, is having that humility to realize there are a certain number of things you can accomplish yourself, but to really scale impact, it's going to have to be in community, you know? And so, so working through that peer network to understand what, you know, what is, uh, what's possible. And then, and then the third thing I would point to is it's really, it's really useful. In fact, critical that we're able to do the storytelling so that the next folks coming along have a sense of, okay, we all know this is a path, but these folks have gone down this path further than we have. Maybe they can show us where they stubbed their toe on a rock on the way. And, you know, and, and you know, there's a real perspective, I think, in the sustainability space of, We're all on our own journeys, but that doesn't mean that we can't do this in a way that's mutually supportive. Uh, In the dairy industry, we talk a lot about sustainability being something we need to focus on in a pre-competitive space, right? It rises to a level where we all need to essentially cooperate to make the progress we need. Yes, we can each, you know, later we can be competitive when it's brand against brand and things like that. But when it comes to sustainability, it's a larger good, it's a larger ask, and we can only really make the progress we want if we do it collaboratively.
0: And and I will echo that. I mean, it's one of the biggest shifts you can make towards perfecting a, an imperfect world is is to constantly ask yourself when when something comes up and you may be able to be involved or a venture or a task choice is... Is not ask what am I getting out of this, but just change it. What are we getting out of this? What are we all going to get out of this choice? And that just that little shift in perspective really changes a trajectory, not only for you but for everybody else. And and if more of us ask that, I think the answers will just be wider. They'll be more available, and and the and the opportunities will just be greater. Um, And you know. People don't have to choose to be a part of agriculture. They, they are. If you are eating, if you choose to be clothed, if you are sheltered, you, you are a part of agriculture. And you know what? Agriculture has to realize that as much as people who feel outside of agriculture. We, we really are all involved in this. Even We constantly talk about how less than 2% of the population is engaged actively in agriculture. That may be true, but we are all a part of it. And we have to treat it as something that is for all of us, by all of us. And, and I think that will solve a lot of the problems and create a lot more good.
1: That's a really great reframing. And I, I think it's really important to, to bear in mind. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Any final thoughts or insights that you want to leave with folks?
0: Yeah, I, I have something. I, I cannot leave a conversation without saying um, thank you. Um, gratitude, farmer gratitude, it's a thing. I am just so amazed and overwhelmed sometimes at the appreciation I have and gratitude I have for people who trust us to put food on their table. They work so hard for their money and their earnings, and they spend it on our food. And that to me is just amazing. And it's Really, some days it's the only reason to get up. Some days you just look at the weather, you just look at everything and you're just like, why am I doing this? It's because someone is going to trust me to feed their family. And, and you know, I, I once got the opportunity because of Cabot to, to be in New York City. And as I'm riding the two train, I'm sitting there thinking, someone has made the commitment to pick up a two pound brick of cheese and a gallon of milk and schlep it all the way home on public transportation if that isn't love and doesn't deserve my gratitude then i don't know what is what anymore so my final thought is thank you
2: yeah i think gratitude is a great place to end this uh gratitude ben for for you for hosting us for this conversation i I am going to say that um, a large part of my gratitude from within our organization starts again with our farmers you know um we have a saying within our, you know, within sort of the commercial side of our business that, you know, work like a farmer, which means recognize that as hard as, as we work supporting our farmers in, in whatever, you know, whatever position we have in the company, these are are among the, the hardest working men and women that I know. And, um, and yet what they do is, is so critically important. And yes, we, we, I, I couldn't agree more that, you know, it, it only matters if you, you know, eat food. Um, but I would also say that we're, we're, be, we're at, an, at a stage right now where we're starting to understand that, okay, this, this is more fundamental than just what goes into my mouth. This is about animals. This is about soil. This is about sunshine. This is about ingre- It's water. It's, it's ingredients that come together to nourish us to nourish our communities, to nourish the the ecosystem. And as we steward that, as dairy farmers have been doing for generations, we have even heightened appreciation for some of the ways that that stewardship can resolve some of these large, large societal challenges that we're going to face in the decades ahead. That leaves me really proud and grateful for what our community of farmers represent in terms of hope,
1: Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I do have a super fun announcement. Starting in October, we're going to start layering in some additional podcast episodes for y'all in the off weeks from when we have guests. And those episodes are going to be addressing some of the questions that we receive from listeners. Some folks ask really specific things to help them be more conscious consumers like, Do you have a recommendation for a desk for my home office? Or some questions we receive are a little more broad, like, I'm just getting started as a sustainability director. Where should I start? Great news is there are no bad questions. And to sweeten the deal for you all, the first five folks to submit a question for this upcoming series that we're doing will win a mere responsibly different Tumblr. Perfect for keeping your hot coffee hot and your ice cold beverages cold. Plus, it's Mir. They're amazing. If you're not familiar with them, we had them on the show, uh, I think, a couple years ago. Uh, I will put a link to that episode in the show notes. Um, But they're amazing. And the tumblers are super cool and they've got Responsibly Different right on them. If you have a question for us that you'd like answered on the show and you want to enter to win a mere Responsibly Different Tumblr, head on over to responsiblydifferent.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and click on contact. Fill out that form and submit your question. No purchase necessary. You don't even have to subscribe to our email list. We're making it super easy peasy. Till next time be responsibly different. This episode was produced by yours truly, Ben Marine. Music was composed and performed by Kevin Oates. This podcast is brought to you by our parent company, Dirigo Collective. To learn more about Dirigo Collective, visit dirigocollective.com. To explore other episodes and resources from Responsibly Different, visit responsiblydifferent.com.